Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 143 here. Altai, joined this week by one, the only. Omer. There he is. There we are, boys. All right. Eventful week, I would say. Uh, we saw a MMO slash VR related movie, and I want to make the weekly raid about that movie. Uh, the movie is Ready Player One. Uh, we saw this, what, like two days ago? Three days ago? Yeah, recently. And, okay, it's a, first of all, it's a kid's movie. Let's get that out of the way, you know. But there are a few, you know, nuggets of things to consider. Nuggets. Nuggets of thought. Tolberone's thought. There you go. Uh, for MMO players out there, okay? So, the without too many spoilers, basically it's a giant you know, the VR. There's this giant VR MMO that everyone plays, right? Uh, mm. And it's a huge, like, pretty much everyone plays it. Like CEOs and, like, homeless people. Everyone Somehow they all play it. <laughs> and they all take it pretty seriously. Uh so the the core problem in the game is, first of all, forget the tech. The tech is super unbelievable. We have like lifelike VR. Where there's a scene in the movie where this guy thinks he logged off, right? But he didn't. And instead, you know, they tricked him into thinking he logged off. But then he's like in a simulation of his room, and he can't tell he's still in the game. That's how. So it must be like a full, you know, sensory experience. You know, we got like vision, smell, touch. So it's totally unbelievable. It's set in 2045. There's no way we're gonna have this tech in 2045. But putting that aside, I thought the most unrealistic part of the movie was the fact that how hardcore the Oasis was. The Oasis is the name of the um, the virtual world, and this is a hardcore world. It's open PvP everywhere. There's no safe zones from what I could tell. Um, full loot. If you, if you die, you drop everything. And your character gets wiped. You lose all levels and progress, all experience if you die. Start at level one. That's pretty hardcore. That is super hardcore. And that is, for me, the most unbelievable part because we already know that you know people don't like hardcore you know pvp games i could see technology developing to a way we can get lifelike vr like that no. i think it's pretty conceivable what no. do you mean no what do you mean of course we can absolutely not i'm gonna pull the bullshit elon musk example and think of we had pong in 1970 or 80 whenever pong came out right and then we have like life we, we have like hyper realistic you battlefield one just the, the, battlefield the, the, the difference from and pong hold on. it's the same shit there's no difference yeah pong and battlefield one are not the same shit what the graphic technology has improved so much to be lifelike Wait, between Pong to Battlefield. Graphics have nothing to do with lifelike. This guy, he took off the visor, right? Or he thought he did. And he yeah. couldn't tell he was still in the world. So that means the touch, the smell, the, the sense of like yeah. where your organs, like where your arms, you know. There's so yeah. many other things besides um, uh, the, the visual part is there. Oh. The visual part is getting sure. there. No, sure, sure, sure. Obviously, the haptics of the touch and the feel and the smell aren't yeah. there yet. I, I, that's conceivable, though. I no, think. I, don't, I don't think it's conceivable. What do you mean it's not conceivable? Not conceivable. I'm We're saying nowhere. even a million years. We're we nowhere for that stuff. Okay, look, look. I agree. We're, we're, I'm not saying it's around the corner. It's not I'm on saying, the board. Okay, hold on, like something like the breaking the the speed of light barrier might be like literally theoretically impossible. Like it breaks the laws of physics, right? Does our VR system break the law of, laws of physics? Can emulating smell break the laws of physics? No, of course not. These are all things that are that are possible. We can argue how oh, far we're getting there. Well, that, 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 that's the movie, conceivable. The movie is set in 2045. That's what. 20, okay, fine. The years off. Who cares? Less than 30 years away. I find the technology more like believable than I find the fact that this full loot thing. Because if you look at where games have gotten from when basically gaming was first started, it's gotten more and more casual. We've seen MMORPGs especially grow more casual and less like open, there's less open PvP in modern MMORPGs. It's less punishment. So the fact that this game had full loot, open world PvP, where your character literally gets wiped if you die, you go back to level one, you got to start all over again. That's actually pretty hardcore, and that actually sounds pretty badass to me. I would like to see that in more games. You know, to me, it shows that um, it's what I've been saying. Games only have stake a stake when there's something to lose. If you have, if you can't lose, you're not playing a video. You're not playing. If you can't lose, you're not playing a game. You know, like, yeah, I agree. like I said, like in pregame, you're staring at a blue box and getting dopamine. Okay, so what makes a game a game is the fact that there's a winner and a loser, in mm-hmm. some sense. Like there's a possibility of like some structured, you know, uh, loss and win like that. What's actually that's actually a pretty good point because when you when you phrase it like that, I think one of the reasons I'm playing so much Final Fantasy 14 lately, you make fun of why I'm playing the game because I'm doing it to climb a ladder on a third party website that's not even built to the game. And you say it's pointless. Yeah, to a degree it is pointless, but the reason I'm doing it is because I want to compete with these other people, you know, because the oh. game itself isn't offering me some form of like challenge in its own way. Then finding challenge in a third party way, like that's my challenge. I don't want to get too sidetracked. But I did not say what you were doing is pointless. I, what I said, there's nothing wrong with trying to climb that list of like the best PV damage dealer or whatever. The, the part I found odd was the fact that you are queuing with randos 
try to clear it quickly and efficiently. Whereas if you were trying to climb that thing for real, you would find seven people like yourself and you would all climb your, your respective classes together on that list. And that would be much more efficient, much more enjoyable because you're playing with other hardcore people who are as dedicated as you are. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's a side thing. That's, you know. <laughs> um, with Ready Player One, I, I think regardless of what we thought of the movie, first of all, uh, what do you think of the movie? What was your, what was your overall feelings after? I did not like the movie. I think the, the, the story was god-awful. It was like self-contradictory. I, I actually burst out laughing several times during the movie and Omar had to shush me once because I was being too loud. Like, like the, the acting, I, but it, it was supposed to be a kid's movie. It wasn't supposed to be serious. Like, it was, it was supposed to be silly. Um, was it supposed to be a kid's movie? I don't think so. Oh, if it was, it was, it was, Written and directed and like acted you know, pe- like a child. People movie. were people were dying. People don't die in kids' movies. People were dying. Who died? I'm trying to think. No spoilers. People were dying. Really? I don't remember people dying. All right. You don't remember like terrorist activities going on in the real oh, world? All right. Oh, yeah, 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 Somebody yeah. wasn't even paying attention in the movie. Yeah, but, they, but those are non-characters. Like we don't even, we don't even know who was in those buildings. Like they, they missed the main yeah, guy. Yeah, but whatever. I, I, I actually, I'm gonna spoil it because I don't care. You know what's funny? This kid loses his whole family. Not just his family. He loses all his neighbors that he's known for his whole life. And he doesn't blink. Like not once does he show remorse or like uh, he doesn't look back. Like he's like, oh, I guess they blew up my whole neighborhood. I'm just gonna keep. Like, he just he just walks away. Like there is no thought given to his entire life being lost in front of him. So was definitely like, some poor decision on the acting. However, I'm gonna I'm gonna take an opposing stance from. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. And like if you ask me like rate the movie's story, it's before it's like acting. Those all get they all get shit scores <laughs> because the story wasn't good, the acting wasn't good. But it was fun. It was enjoyable. There were some funny one-liners. The entire audience was laughing at certain points. It was a it was a fun popcorn movie. You know, don't go in there expecting the super serious, you know, movie. And just go in there to have fun. I think you're gonna have fun. Yeah, that's it was fun. All that being said, if you have movie pass, ten dollars a month, one movie a day, it's worth seeing. Uh, especially if you're like an MMO gamer or you're into gaming, uh, because there are some good nuggets of you know shit to talk about in there. Um, and what do you think about the game? Like, I think Ready Player One is it, the movie is gonna be good for MMOs as a whole. I think it's, it's sparking. I mean, obviously MMOs have always been a thing, but it's kind of fallen away from the mainstream. I feel like average gamers today don't really know what MMOs are, like especially MMORPGs. You know, like World of Warcraft is still the kind of that one big game that people kind of talk about. That I guess maybe the casual, the average gamer might know World of Warcraft, but I, I don't think the average gamer is gonna know even what the hell Elder Scrolls Online is. Don't know what Elder Scrolls is, but oh, that, that, no, or like Final Fantasy fourteen or Dungeon Fighter Online or Maple Story, these games don't mean anything to the average gamer. So I think maybe this this is going to bring the MMO discussion maybe a bit more to the mainstream, at least for a short while. It might inspire some more, you know, some, some more MMORPGs to be developed. I, I think as a whole, the movies are good, good for the industry. Sure. I mean, any movie about yeah. gaming is, is generally good for gaming. Um, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about the end of the movie, actually. All right. And uh, so in the end of the movie, basically what happens is the evil corporation Spoilers. is defeated. Okay, the, um, the bad guys lose, right? The, the suits lose, and the kids take control of the of the server. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's funny they call themselves the High Five. What a, what a lame name for a guild, but um, High Five Guild. What they do, one of their first acts is actually to to shut the servers down every Tuesday and Thursday because they say you can't replace the real world. So go out there and enjoy your real life on Tuesday. That's bullshit. Now that, I, that already I, broke immersion. I wanted to bring this up to you, Omar, because I think perhaps you would benefit from this. So you have something to do on Tuesdays and Thursdays rather than play Final Fantasy. All right, real talk, real talk. Anyone who, like in the movie, the the main character and the people that were like the main characters all kind of invest into the game. They were basically addicts, right? There is no way on God's green earth those addicts are going to voluntarily shut down the server for everyone on Tuesdays and Fridays, whatever the days were. That's bullshit. It's that 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 already broke the immersion again. That 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 would never happen. Why? What do you mean? Well, hold up. We already addicts have. Don't- we wouldn't do have, that to themselves. We already, in China and Korea, governments already restrict playtime, right? Yeah, but the governments aren't the addicts. So in, in, this, in the movie, the, the, the kids who won the, the contest, they, they rule the server and yeah. they decide to turn it off. So you're going to tell an, a heroin addict to stop taking heroin? He's going to tell himself to stop taking heroin? Well, there He's are, not going to do it. There are heroin addicts who do get out of it and then like advocate against it, right? So maybe sure. these kids, um, you know uh, what? Maybe, maybe having his entire neighborhood blown up uh, did affect him. In some way, I did. I missed no. it. You know, maybe he realized that uh, you can't replace no. real. It people. was some random art. It wasn't well explained in the movie, and it, I, it broke any sense of realism. I don't know. It was kind of weird. I, in the weekly rate, I actually worded it a little different. My objection against banning it on Tuesdays and Thursdays is, from what we saw in the movie, this oasis was a pervasive part of the real world economy. You had business leaders and corporations holding meetings 
business meetings, like boardroom meetings inside this virtual world. So now, if every Tuesday and Thursday it's, it's turned off, you know, you're, you're crippling, crippling the economy in a way because this is, this is not just a, a game. It was a communication tool. It was a business tool. It was a, you know, in fact, it was even a, a virtual job tool. You know, what's it called? Telecommunication. What do you, teleconferencing. What do you call yeah. it when you work at home? Teleconference. Oh, telecommuting. Telecommuting, right? Yeah, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. So, and there's a funny part of the, my favorite part of the movie actually was the fact that if you, if you fell into debt, let's say, let's say you owed money in the real world, they would actually come to your house, kidnap you, arrest you, and they would lock you in this pod where you're in VR and you're working all day, like to pay off your debt. Like you're, you're doing like a, a remote job. Menial like task. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. What'd you pretty think of cool. That? I mean, I feel like the the book probably went into way, way more depth about how much this Oasis, the game itself, kind of plays a, like it's such an important part in the real world as well. Because like there's really the currency in the game is equivalent to like real life money as well. There's an RMT value to currency in the game. So the movie didn't really explain that too well because it didn't have time to do it. But I, I think it's a pretty neat concept, though. You know, like, but it's weird they oh, just abduct you. You heard it here make first. Work for Debtor's it. prison is a neat concept. Omar Altai, 2018. <laughs> I like that. Like, maybe while you're in the game, they can make you like work work it off. But it's weird they can kidnap you IRL and do that. You know, it basically comes down to debtor's prison, which, by the way, was with us for a long. I don't know if you, if our audience is aware, but for most of human history, uh, if you owed money and you couldn't pay it. You didn't just go bankrupt. Like you didn't just say, "Oh, I can't pay," and they take your car or whatever. You would literally go to jail, and then you'd have to work off your debt. And sometimes, and if you couldn't work out your debt in your lifetime and you died, your son would inherit your debt the same way they would inherit your wealth if you had any. So you could have generations of people in servitude to pay back a, a, a debt that, like, the great grandfather, you know, got himself into. So I wonder how that will work in the future uh, when Google and Facebook. And Amazon rule the world, which which is what I think will happen. Uh, by by the way, I actually think the dystopian future in this in this movie will happen. It w it won't be around VR maybe, but I I am a dystopian person right now. And Omar and I have <laughs> different. Or I don't think Omar is not so much a dystopian guy. Uh, I like what Cargrath said in the chat. I hate it when WoW goes down on Tuesdays. I would turn those kids <laughs> into into villains and beat their asses up and bring it back up online. Yeah, I, I hate when Final Fantasy goes on maintenance as well. Fortunately, it goes on maintenance at like 11 p.m. till 3 a.m. It's a long maintenance window, but it's, it's at this weird hours anyway, so it's no big deal. Which is another reason why I can't imagine like these kids would voluntarily turn the servers off two days a week. And, They're addicts. And that's can't true. And I think ultimately, and this is my over analyzation at the end, I go, perhaps the takeaway from the movie is that creators can't help but play God to their creations, even if they have no desire to rule. So in the end, it's portrayed as like these kids that are like freewheeling, happy-go-lucky, everyone is mm -hmm. you know free. Uh, they win over the corporation that wants to control the, the world, right, the Oasis. But in yeah. the end, they end up being controllers too by banning it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I think there's no Ooh. way to be like this. Uh, there's no way not to be the dictator. So mm -hmm. you, you have to either embrace it or you're fooling yourself. And I said I'd love to see an unofficial sequel where another group of well-meaning folks rebel against the High Five because of their, you know, like because of how they're ruining the Oasis themselves. And I want to see yeah. what the what the conflict would be there. That's actually an interesting takeaway. That you know, no matter what, if you beat the the, the evil rulers, you become the evil rulers at the end anyway. There's no like, there's no way around it. Yeah, I mean, every system needs a a rule, a ruler. You know, so mm -hmm. you, know, you can't have it with you can't you can't have a system without some rules. Deep. So, final takeaway: it's worth seeing if you're into VR or anything. Hey, it's it, it's one of the better video game movies too. I mean, there really aren't too many good video game movies. You know, it's not exactly a video game movie because it's not like about video game characters as a whole. But it's I, I would still classify it as a video game movie. It's very silly though. It is. It is quite. Again, you did laugh. You did burst out laughing a few too many times. Uh, an embarrassing amount of times. I, I tell you to shut the fuck up. But it was. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> okay. Well, in one time, you had these corporates like uh, lackeys at one point. Okay, they're like a thousand of them, and they're all trying to play the game and beat the main character. But they're just so bad. Like he's running at him like in ways. Every time. Like, yeah, it was cringe. Every time like the main guy swipes, like you see like twenty like corporate guys go red and lose, and they get disconnected. And here's what I didn't get: Why do they have to? Why do they have to take it off for the next? Why can't they just re reset or they log in a different account? Like, why did they have to leave the the VR headset it, when he died? They it, didn't. It maybe, maybe, like, every player only gets one, like, character in their DNA. It's like, you need a social security number to have, like, per character. Thing. And maybe those guys already had characters lined up or some bullshit. Oh, whatever. It, it, it was silly. It was very silly. All right, we can move on a little bit. But uh, Ray Player One, definitely not bad. Not not great. Not a good movie, but a fun movie is my, my, my personal verdict. There you go. This last week was also April Fool's. Was uh was a fun time. Any any April Fool's jokes you enjoyed, Altai? Uh, there was one I enjoyed. It was at press-start.com. 
Uh, .au actually. Oh, Milobe1188. Thank you for the sub. So here was their... Um, here, this was their uh, April Fool's joke. It's uh, Fortnite Mushroom Kingdom Battle Royale for Switch. Ooh. So just imagine Fortnite, but all instead of like you know the Fortnite characters, you have like Mario and Luigi and Fox. I'm showing on the stream right now. It it actually honestly I think this would work and I think it would sell if if Nintendo partnered with Epic. What do you think? That would be pretty fun actually. Definitely, that can definitely be that'd be really badass actually. We, we, we did our own. We did two of our own April Fool's jokes uh, on Inmos.com, some fun ones. Uh, Star Citizen was, was the first one I put up. It's about Star Citizen actually getting release date, which obviously is bullshit. That's never going to happen. What? So I put an article saying Star Citizen gets official release date launching April 15th with new $79,000 ships sale. Let me see this. $79,000. And that's at 50% off their regular price. <laughs> and they have a special limited edition insignia on them. So I made some fake quotes as well. Uh, about like Chris Harvard's being very proud of how fast he developed the game. And uh, I, I put a fake quote from Derek Smart, a longtime critic of Star Citizen and chairman of the Chris Roberts Hate Club, who simply said uh, he's going to live shoot himself eating his hat when the game launches. <laughs> Which, of course, again, is, is, is never going to happen. And we got some fun comments on that one. Oh, no, I also no. put one up real quick for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 14 as well. Which uh, I was, as I put this uh, article up, this, this fake news up, I actually kind of wish this was a thing. So I put up Final Fantasy XIV, adding new insanely difficult raid, dying permanently deletes your character. So again, kind of with the Ready Player One theme, you know, where you die, it's permanent death, you got to make a new character. So I put a fake quote from uh, the game's director saying, I'm tired of people calling my game too casual friendly. Let's see how long it takes all these tryhard raiders to clear this new raid. <laughs> There's a comment as well from saying, uh, like, the saddest part of this April Fool's is that are we more inclined to get this game if it was true? And one guy replied, totally agree. Wow. So you got, you got you got two new subs if you do this FF14. Listen up. Real talk, absolute real talk. Don't you think World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy 14, Elder Scrolls, every MMORPG would benefit by having one raid where you can only access at max level. There's 15 different warnings that if you die there, you get your character deleted. All your items deleted. Like it was it, just something at the end of the game for the absolute the dead degenerate tryhards who want to keep rerolling characters getting to max level just to try that raid. Well, what you don't I think there would be a win? I mean, I think an easier way to do it would just be you can only each character can only try it once. If they fail, they can that character can never go back in. Because this way, at no, least you don't lose your character to DC. Altai, Altai, Altai. We talked about this earlier. Remember, for a game to be a game, it's got to have some kind of challenge. Let this be out there for the mega trial. It is a challenge. I'm not saying... you got to make a new character if you lose. No, 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 fuck that. You gotta, your character's gone, deleted. Look, Ooh. I'm not against that in principle. If like okay. we, we could... We could Promise hundred percent like internet connection, electricity, all that server. I mean, server. It's like, up to the game that promised that. Go go get a UPC backup if you want to have hundred percent uptime. That, that that's not the, the game's fault. No, but the wild no, it is the game's fault. What if the wild server? If the crashes? game no, if the wild server crashes, they they can they can give you uh they, they they can measure when they crash. They they can reset your account there. If, oh, if see, well that's what I'm saying. They got to do something. If then. it's their fault. But okay, wouldn't it just be easier? Each character can only go in once. Then nah. that way you don't, it's, it's still the same it, problem there. It, what? What's the problem? The same problem as what if you get disconnected. Sure, but at least you don't lose your character. You just lose your yes, chance. Yes, but you, you still lost your chance. You got to reroll and get there. Yeah, so it's a good compromise. I, no, I, I think it'd be a really, I, I personally think it'd be a really awesome concept. It just most people would never even try it. I think Maybe they might try it before they quit the game. You know, Saffron, I think Path of Exile opened my eyes to this. The hardcore servers leagues in Path of Exile are, are the perfect way to do it, where your character starts in hardcore, and if you die, mm. it gets bumped down to the regular. So, you, mm -hmm. so no item or character that dies can ever go back to hardcore, right? So that your, all your equipment in the bank is also gone, right? Or in your stash. So it accomplishes the same thing as the Diablo hardcore system, but it's not so punishing that you lose your character if for DCs or lag or, or, or server crashes or whatever. It's just, it's just a better way to do it, I think. But it also makes it... Path of Exile is a great system for that as well, right? It's cool. But for MMORPG, I think having that giant potential loss... Where it, forget it, like, it's not just about not being able to try it again. Like, what if you actually, like, you could even weave into the lore where, like, this character sucks your soul out if you die and just deletes you, you know? Like, it, it, it fits more into the theme and the lore of the game than adding, oh, you just can't challenge him again. Huh? Why not? I don't know. Why not? You just can't fight him well, again. Well, if it, if, it, if it sucks your soul, then, then your bank stuff should be safe still. What? No, sure, it can, but your character deleted and your, your bank stuff is on your character. You can't access it. The, the, the point no, I, is. I, it doesn't make sense lore wise for the bank to be. To be deleted, Wait, it should be auctioned. Like, uh, I got, I got an idea. Every abandoned character, their bank stashes are grouped into lots and is an auction. It's like that. It's like that container 
reality show. What's it called? You buy, they buy storage the containers. Wars. Storage, oh, storage Wars. Wars. Storage Wars. Storage Wars. MMO edition, all right? So did, it, did RuneScape do that? Did it? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, RuneScape did their own like Storage storage Wars thing. That's pretty cool. I like pretty it. badass concept. But I think it would just be insanely cool. Like, I, I would have tried it, by the way. But, like, I, and they don't have to make the, the boss that hard. The problem is it would be hard because even easy boss fights in MMORPGs in World of Warcraft, even easy fights, right? They require a few trial and error runs. You know, you, you will die if you don't know the fight. Just just having that there would be pretty badass. And imagine you see somebody in the game who has a title, like uh, World Slayer. Whoever kills that boss gets a cool title or some shit, right? Pretty cringe title, but whatever. You get my point. You see that guy, like, damn, this guy's a badass. You know, this guy's this guy's, this guy's fucking Big Dick McGee over here. I, I, am, I am super in favor of... Um of independent zones where there's a different rule set. So, like, Final Fantasy XIV did this with the... whatever it was called. Uh, Eureka and Palace yeah. of the Dead. So, I, 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 I could imagine a zone in WoW where... It, oh, Thai Cheese. Thank you for that, I assume, Amazon sub. Yep. Uh, I, I could imagine a world where... an MMO where each zone, like, if you die in that zone... As, first of all, it has own progression system in that zone. But if you die, you you, get, you can never re-enter it. Like, there's, a, there's like a soul guardian at the beginning that says, you know, halt. You're not allowed in. Do you think there's any reason games haven't done anything like this before? I just feel like so much of MMORPG development has been really, like, as basically since MMORPGs hit the mainstream with EverQuest, maybe before the Ultima line, it feels like development really stopped after after World of Warcraft, like, like almost to a halt, where nothing new has happened. Like, what, even like concepts that we're talking about can exist within theme park games. Yeah, um, I think I think it's just the risk. They just want to play it safe. It, the budgets are too big. That the you know it takes years to make, and they just don't want to take mm -hmm. any risks. I think. I think mobile, the yeah the we'll the, the compromise you said seems pretty low risk. And Path of Exile does it really well with their hardcore league. You know, yeah. where if you die, your character gets you know out of the hardcore league. It just there, there's something to be said. You know, like, there's a feeling I imagine. I never played hardcore league in Path of Exile, but a very bad example like Rust. You know, my heart pounds in Rust if I'm carrying a shit ton of loot. I hear gunfire. I turn around. I'm I'm in a gunfight in Rust, and I'm trying to run to my house and lock the door behind me. Like shit like that gets gets me. Gives me a rush. When I play, I play Final Fantasy XIV a lot, but at, at, at no point in the fight do I ever get in my raid. Do I really get a rush? Because if I wipe, if I die, I don't lose anything. There's no like even like repair costs right. in, in vanilla WoW. The repair costs were higher. I really think we should try a hardcore league. The next next Path of Exile league, we should do hardcore, and I think you will like it because it really does change the way you play. Like if I'm playing standard, the way I play is like. To check if I can handle a zone or a boss, I just faced, I just rush in. Oh, that one shoots lightning. Cool, I die. But yeah. If you're playing, you know, hardcore, you can't just run in and figure it out. You got to actually, you know, look at what he's doing and then you know decide safely to like go in and go back, get more experience. So it's it's a, it's a much different experience. But it also creates an interesting dynamic for for the game developer as well because uh, I think Shea has a, has a hardcore mode as well where if you die, you basically you, you, you I think I think you're permanently dead or you are as some hardcore. Like, it might be permadeath. I'm pretty sure it's permadeath. But but by playing a character in a PvP game like Shea with permadeath, you have extra bonuses. You have actually more stats per level. That's great. Like character. Like that. uh, it's a pretty cool concept, right? Yeah, However, if you die, if a player doesn't resurrect you in like five minutes, you're dead forever. You players can still res you, but if they don't within a few minutes, you're dead. Or or you hit the cash shop and you buy a resurrection oh, stone that ruins and you back up. That ruins. Yeah, you can't. There will always be an incentive for that though, because think if, if you're you know if for example wow or if i might did what we were talking about with the permadeath they are such a strong incentive to sell like like these jk scrolls where like they can res you and get your character back and they got you by the balls they can charge 100 bucks for it and people would pay yeah, uh, we got another sub right for thank you um i think with the cash app you can't do it you can't have it with the cash app that just yeah. kind of ruins it but i'm That's i'm totally in favor of uh, bonuses for, for hardcore players i think mm -hmm. one of the one of the toxic things in game design today is this idea of balance so i that has to die that has to go away uh it's not that it has to die the people have to stop worshiping balance i think it's okay to have some imbalance and like if you're designing more around fun i think it's okay and, and obviously it's gonna be near impossible to get perfect balance and even trying to achieve perfect balance really you know it pigeonholes developers i think and designers rather into making things more like less creative because it, it, the best way i can i can actually you know maybe explain this to you is Look at the design for heroes in Dota versus League. League is a much more, like, not so ambitious ability. Things are pretty, like, non-crazy. Where Dota 2 is, you have, like, four-second stuns at level, like, two, whereas the best, longest stun in League is, like, 1.5 seconds or two seconds. It's just the, the, the depth of abilities 
you know, you have stuff like Refresher Orb. Like, they couldn't even add that to League because it would, they would have to think so hard about balance and how many yeah. heroes would be affected by it. It'd be impossible to add it to the game. Or Blink Dagger. There's so many more crazy items and, and, and abilities in Dota 2, which is couldn't exist in League because it, it exists in a different balanced universe. And I think you design more around fun. You give a, you know, it's just more exciting. I, I like to always, I, I like to compare games to Magic the Gathering, the card game. And I, I mm -hmm. think Magic the Gathering had had a beautiful game design, like the, the top, like A plus game design, because there were rules to the game, right? Which but, game? Magic the Gathering. There okay. were rules, like standard rules. But every, but it's, I remember the, the original rule book when I bought the game. By the way, Magic turned twenty five years old uh, recently. But the first set of rules, it says something like, and I think Flux also has these rules, where anytime the card contradicts the rules, you go with the card. So there are cards that totally upend the game. There's some cards that say you, can, as long, you cannot lose the game. So as long as that <laughs> card is on the board, you cannot lose the game. doesn't matter if they do damage to you. It doesn't matter if they have another win condition or whatever. You can't lose the game. Uh, there's another card. You, know, you can have as many cards in your hand as you want. There's no card limit, whatever, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So... And then I feel like Dota's a lot like that. There are items and abilities that break the otherwise you know, set of rules in the game. And it's great. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it works. It gives you so much creativity. And I, I just wish more games would do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see that game design principle applied to more RPGs because, again, the classes we've seen in a lot of games have been really uninspiring. I mean, basically everything, even on the mobile front, too. It just you know, We have the Paladin, you got the Warrior, you got the ranged DPS, you got melee DPS, and that's it. You know, there's no... I don't know. There really aren't that many cool classes. You get gunner classes sometimes, but it just feels kind of like an archer, but instead of an archer, you get guns. Like, I, I haven't seen a really, like, interesting design class in a long Like, maybe, like, Shadow... The the Shadow Dancer in, in, in Dark Age of Camelot. Bone Dancer in Dark Age of Camelot. It's a very cool class. Well-designed, interesting class. It wasn't balanced, but it was, it, it was interesting. I'm trying to think, what was the most interesting class I've seen in MMORPGs recently? Like, I can't really think of anything. Can you? The most interesting class I've seen. No, that. Uh, let me think. Nothing really in WoW was that interesting. Nothing's coming to me in Final Fantasy fourteen either. No, nothing. Well, well, we'll think on it. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's a couple exceptions. But I'm. I'm showing on the screen right now my favorite Magic the Gathering card of all time. It's mm -hmm. called Ashnod's Coupon. So, ah, that was a joke card. I know, but sacrifice Ashnod's Coupon. Target player gets you target drink. <laughs> so you can make someone get you a drink. But games like Dota and Magic the Gathering did have mechanics that were just crazy, like, designed, where it, you could really break the game with just combinations of cards and Magic the Gathering. You get infinite, like, infinite HP, infinite creatures, infinite cards in your hand, like, all this crazy bullshit, which you would never see in a game like Hearthstone or, you know, anything else. And I, I would like to see that, that, that kind of game design take center stage again, maybe some in the future. That's a good weekly rate question. Like, what is your favorite class from any MMORPG? Yeah, that that that's a great weekly raid, and I I, I think about that as uh, well. I'll think but... about it too for, you know, and then we can come next. To it. Uh, okay, well, next. we were we were speaking of uh, Path of Exile, so I want to bring that up if you, real quick. Yeah. So for April Fools, they uh, actually renamed the game on Steam, which is amazing. So on, on your Steam library, the game was called Path of Exile Royale, mm -hmm. and the joke was they actually made a battle royale mode in this action RPG. And I'll play this trailer here, and here's the fun part: it actually worked. It was actually it was actually a lot better than their standard PvP mode. Where you know two people queue up and then you just face off in three rounds, you know, like a best of three, best mm -hmm. of th first of three rounds. Uh, this one instead, you're all on an island. You start level one naked. Uh, there are chests, there are mobs, enemies, uh, and then enemy players, obviously. And you just run around. You got to open the chest, beat the enemies, get levels, get gear, equip the skill gems, and kill each other. And it's really fast paced because you die in like two three hits, um, especially early on. And it worked. It was really quick. It was fun. Uh, I actually hope they keep it as a as a PvP option in the game, like permanently. I mean, yeah, why not? It's a functional system, you know. I mean, they designed it one day and made it work in one day, which is pretty impressive. They added this whole game mode in a day, right? As a joke. Yeah. And one day of development. One day. One day. Pretty badass. They got shit done, you know. And what I found funny about this is, I think this actually proves that the battle royale uh, mode can work in lots of different genres. It doesn't have to be shooters, because so far, all we've seen is shooters, right? Whether it's Fortnite, mm -hmm. PUBG, Paladins, whatever it is, right? But, you know, this is an action RPG. And I think an RPG-style Battle Royale could actually be amazing. Imagine everyone, like, imagine for something like Fortnite where everyone starts level one, and then you got to level up, you can specialize. Like, you can go building, building mode. Like, imagine you're a stack of four, right? Mm -hmm. One guy can go builder. He's just, he's quick at building, he builds, like, turrets and stuff. One guy could be good at, like, gathering. One guy is good at, like, shooting, melee, whatever it is. 
I think this would open up a, a whole you know range of possibilities for the genre. Well, I think the problem is um like what makes Battle Royale work really well in shooters. Imagine like World of Warcraft Battle Royale, right? And you start level one, you can find like gear and stuff, right? The problem is with a with a game that's not an action game. So if we're like you're if I'm a warrior and you're you know maybe you're a warrior or you're like a rogue or something and and, and, and we're fighting right one on one. The problem is going to be whoever's got the better gear and the more experience is going to win 100 percent of the time. You know, like no, that's why it doesn't. I don't think it would work very it, well with. It wouldn't work in existing like wow, but. Just imagine an action game with RPG elements. So yeah, imagine, if you have an action in RPG where there is skill involved yeah, in yeah. how you attack, yes, you yeah, can do it. Sure. That, that, that's the reason it works. RNG works so well. In yeah. PUBG and Fortnite, you can get the best loot, but some asshole with a pistol could, could two-tap you in the head if he's just better than you. Yeah. Or he, you know, he gets or lucky. Gets a jumps on you. Gets a jump on you. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that in, in WoW or no, no, other, other I genres. Didn't, I didn't mean like at, in WoW. I yeah. mean like a game like WoW. Like, imagine like an RPG. You're level one. You level quickly though. And, and levels yeah. don't matter that much. Like You, can, you still get like three-shotted. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just get different gear, different specializations. I think there's a lot of uh, possibilities there. I think you're gonna get Battle Royale coming in Black Desert Online. Thoughts? It's an action. It's an action. Uh, yeah, so that, it could that, work. That there. would work really well. Yeah. But it would be designed well. I feel like it'd be more complicated. I, I do feel like almost to a degree, Path of Exile was really fortunate enough that like it could very easily fit that mold. You know, like the design decision to you know with the skill jams, you know, with the PVE versus NP. And, like it, it, it just seems like it works really well for it. Like. Whether it was intended or not, I, I just couldn't picture that mold working as well for other MRP, uh, you know, other other games that aren't action. I mean, that's where the gold is, because I mean, honestly, now is a little too late for, to be another shooter battle royale, right? It's the, mm -hmm. the market's pretty established. It's PUBG for realistic, Fortnite for cartoony. Uh, so I think you got to bring something new to the table and something with RPG elements, uh, maybe isometric view. Uh, these are things that mm -hmm. you know you, you should consider. I think one of the reasons we're not going to get so much uh, more development on PC MMORPGs is uh, mobile games, as we talked about before. But I find a pretty astounding statistic I want to share with you. Um, I'll find I found I was looking at some, see if we find interesting data about some mobile games. And I found um, a game called Lords Mobile. You have you heard of it? I have. I have heard of it. Okay, so look at the screenshot. This shows you how much money Lords Mobile has made in the year 2017. And this hurts Seeing this statistic, it hurts me on the inside. It makes me die a little. Wow. So this is for the annual report for IGG, the company that makes Lords Mobile. And you can see uh, year-ended 2017, Lords Mobile made, uh, these numbers are in, uh, are in thousands of US dollars. So, so they made $437.7 million off Lords Mobile. Have you seen this game? Show off this game real quick. I will, I will. Go to YouTube I, and search Lords Mobile. I will do that. Uh, yeah, this, that means it's made over a million dollars a day. This game makes over this. Let that let that let that dollar amount sink in one more time. Four hundred thirty-seven million dollars off Lords Mobile. This is a garbage Chinese pay-to-win strategy game. I mean, we we've all heard of Game of War. We've heard of you know Mobile Strike. We've heard of Clash of Clans. Like these are the the big name ones. But but an obscure game, almost obscure, like Lords Mobile, makes more money than basically ninety-nine percent of everything we talk about in this podcast. Like we, World of Warcraft makes more. Th there are actually five games in the PC that make more money than Lords Mobile. Five games. That we cover, that that's Dungeon Fighter Online, League of Legends, World of Warcraft, World of Tanks, and uh, Crossfire, the shooting game. Besides those five games, Lords Mobile makes more money than Hearthstone, than League of Legends, than Final Fantasy XIV, than than Maple Story, than, like all these other big games. Lords Mobile makes more makes over twice as much money. That Square they make more than twice as much money that Square Enix makes off all their MMORPGs. Of this one game, it's it's frustrating that this is reality. This is the world we live in, where this garbage game. This, if you're a game developer, why would you ever make a PC MMORPG that requires a tremendous amount of work to make? Like I guarantee, the development costs for titles like this are, 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 are a fraction of a, of a massive endeavor like like Elder Scrolls Online or World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV. This is the reason we can't have nice things. Is this the one that Destiny plays? I think Destiny might be the. I don't know. Oh, that's something else? Okay. Might be. But they all, <sighs> honestly, they all look the same to me. I don't know if I'm being racist. Doesn't it hurt your soul to see this game just just make more money than ESO, Final Fantasy fourteen, and like Dota 2 combined? Doesn't does it hurt uh, that mean, this game? But to be fair, it's not like these people were playing those games before. You know what I'm saying? No, but yeah, of course. Those, but the problem is it, it, it sucks away developers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. From everywhere else to make games like yeah. you know like the, the, the people that do this for a living right outside the people that are just so rich they can work on projects of passion maybe maybe when they're off work 
they're the people that do this for a living are, are, are focused on making more games like Lords Mobile. That's true. I think the the average skill level of like a PC developer is going down only because there's so much more competition for skilled developers now in so many other you know industries and genres. Uh, so that that's an issue. I mean, clearly people do like this these kinds of games. We are not the audience, obviously, but it, it just it still hurts my soul to see just how much money a game like this can make. Like how it, it's like you can be a successful game, but you know. Games like Elder Scrolls Online are, you know, these massive endeavors, and they make a fraction of this 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 throwaway mobile game. You know, I, I, it's it just hurts my soul. I think though, the, the, on the bright side, we're going to see a convergence. More games like Fortnite, where you can play cross-platform on PC, mobile, and your console. And then when when that happens, I think the the player base for you know even for us PC gamers is going to be much higher because the people we're going to be playing with are going to be like playing on their phone. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're going to have an advantage, hopefully. If we're, if we're like not retarded, and we can kill them. Uh, on the mobile front, there's an, there's an. I want to show you the actual Final Fantasy XIV People Fool's Joke. Have you seen it? No. All right. They made a. They made this video called a uh, new app Final Fantasy XIV Online Go. It's uh, supposed to be, a, I guess, a joke or, or a parody of Pokemon Go. If you wanted to show some in the in the trailer, in the spirit of April Fools. All right. Let me see this. Is there is audio quality? Uh, you know, you know, I, you, you know, just, just, I think that there's subtitles in it. I don't remember. I saw the video. Yeah, there's subtitles. So the the, the, the play is basically, uh, it's kind of like Pokemon Go, and you, you you have to go outside town, you have to go outside in the real world and find like resource nodes, and like click on your phone. Like so, you would go to like a spot where it would tell you on your phone, and you click, you tap a button on your phone, and you get resources in the game, and. There's a, there's a the, the, the really funny bit is later on in the video they show you like an attachment for your device where basically you can you can attach your phone to like a, a stick and it lets you get more realism out of it to uh, so you'd go to like a node and you would just like, hit a rock with your your phone attached to it and your phone would just break obviously so they're just trying to poke fun at Pokemon Go yeah, and gathering for, outdoors Forge Forgery said something interesting I've touched on before too I do think this is the future of most what, what we're seeing in this uh, trailer. This parody trailer? This parody trailer. So basically, people who are playing... Imagine, like, you're playing a game, right? And you need, like, ore to, like, make swords. Mm. The only way to, to to mine ore will be on the app version of the game, where you play, like, Connect 3 to mine. And, you know, and if you Connect 5, you get, like, rare ore, whatever. That's actually a really, really good idea. I actually can't emphasize how good of an idea that is. Maybe you should expand, expand on that a little bit, what you mean. So, sure. So, uh, what I see... Imagine, like, a multi-platform game, cross-platform game. Just, just do the World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV. Sure. Think of, use those yeah. examples. Where, yeah, where the crafting elements, the gathering elements, uh, maybe the, the house decoration elements, if there's a housing system, or can be done on the phone. Uh, so, while you're at work commuting... Like, imagine you're coming home from work or on, on a train. You're, you know, you got 40 minutes to kill. You can spend that time mining, you know, gathering your alchemy ingredients you know, through mini-games on the phone... And then that way, when you get home and you're in front of the PC, you don't have to waste. Because so many people today have jobs and lives, and they, they can't just waste three hours a week gathering material for their raid, you know, the potions and buffs. So mm-hmm. if you could do that part on your phone through minigames, which you're playing anyway. You're already playing Candy Crush. So why not do the exact same kind of activity, but instead make progress towards your main game? You know, And then that way, when you get home, you can do the, you know, the fun stuff on your computer. I think, mm-hmm. I think it would be a win-win for everyone. The grandma could just play Candy Crush and just give away the shit to her guild, right? Because she doesn't care. She's not playing the, she's not playing the PvP or raid aspect so she could just give away that shit and and she would get a lot of like thank yous right and, and she would be happy and you know post yeah. on Facebook or whatever so it's a win-win even if you don't do the rating part like you could just sell it or give it away and then make people happy it would be a win for the players that are currently doing it anyway because if you look at how resource gathering works in every mrpg i can think of off the top of my head whether it's like uh revelation online whether it's uh world of warcraft or the Fantasy 14 you walk up to a random resource node you got to find outside town and you right click on it that's it that's how it works. It is so monotonous and stupid today that it's brain dead. It's not fun. Nobody has fun walking around, finding nodes, and right-click on them because you're competing with bots as well they are doing it. Yeah. You can take a system like that that's not fun and, and unintuitive and lame and move it to like a mobile game where it connects to the actual PC and RPG as well. So mobile players, you, maybe you can download it as well so you can play some Match 3 game or anything else on your phone, and it, it contributes to your experience in the actual PC game. I need to be a megaphone. Because the current system sucks as is. But you know what? What we described is nothing. Is nothing easy to do. It's actually very complicated because now the same studio has to has to maintain and develop, you know, mobile versions on top of the main client. So they need a much mm-hmm. broader range of skills because these are different OSs. So it, it's going to be a big studio that does this first. I suspect. 
it just it would be it would be such a win for the PC as well. Nobody likes resource gathering on, on anymore. No one the crafting you might like, even though it's kind of monotonous as well. But the resource gathering is always awful. It would I, I would rather do a match three game than do resource gathering in yeah. any more. Yeah. It, it's more fun. And and the fact that you would see like your little inventory going up as you're matching three would give it you makes like, it more meaningful. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. he's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I, the, I, yeah, that, that's how I want to see cross-platform with PC kind of work like that to a degree where where you don't try porting a game on the PC to mobile because that just seems really weird and it might not work intuitively. But some functions of the game can be done on mobile, and that'd be pretty cool. And going back to Ready Player One, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd I'd actually love to see three tiers. So you'd have the gathering and and management done on your phone, the standard gameplay done on your PC. And then you could have like these Uber Uber mechs, like the Titan equivalent in Eve Online, right? Mm-hmm. Or Gundams or whatever. Those would be fielded by VR players, and those would be like you know your guild has to save up so one guy can buy one Titan, which is like a Gundam, and, he, and he's got to control mm-hmm. it in VR in the same world. And you know this thing can like slice through the regular ships like like butter, but it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we can we get all three platforms in one. That'd be pretty cool, pretty badass. One day, one day, I'll tell you, the dream. The dream will come true. <laughs> I, I, I want to be the Gundam pilot, but even though I'll be too old by then. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? I, I, I had a pretty good story I was gonna bring up, but I, it totally escaped my head right now. For reason. Oh, no, I just had a massive brain fart while we were talking about that. Well, I got a funny story. It's it's kind of a ha ha story, if anything. So right, let's hear it. NBA Two K. Uh, I, I guess it's some kind of basketball game, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to do an esports thing for it, right? But guess what? They're only going to do PC. So you for the esports part. So no console. There's no there's no story there. I just wanted to rub it in. The console sucked. So there you go. All right, you heard it here first, boys. Console sucks because of uh, NBA 2K esports. All right, I was going to bring up Feria because you were talking about the, the design and you need a competent studio oh, to work yeah, yeah, with yeah. cross platform with mobile and PC. So you put the article up on Mos.com about Feria, which I think this is a really bizarre decision. So talk a little bit about Feria and their decision to go about it. Okay, so Feria during early access was a buy-to-play game, right? Like most mm-hmm. early access. Then they went free-to-play, right? And now they've, just, they've announced a few days ago that they are going back to buy-to-play. Uh, they, they tried free-to-play, and they said that they didn't like it. Uh, so I'll read their quote from their article. Um, While we love the concept of free-to-play, we haven't been able to find the right balance to make it financially sustainable for Feria. And making this change will allow us to focus our energy on creating regular, high-quality content for the foreseeable future. What they mean by decision is going back to buy to play. And I've said this for many, many, um, for many, many years that it's not easy to be free to play. It's actually more work because a constant part of your development. Every time you want to add new content, whether it's a new class, character, whatever, you have to monetization has to be part of the design decision, like the process, design process. So yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to be, and this is why we got buy to play before we got free to play. You know, small studios like if, you, if you're a small team, you got to make your game buy to play because I think like, you need at least a couple people full time designers on you know, payroll just just on monetization if you're a free to play game. Look, if you're talking about a game like uh, like an actual like Revelation Online or some kind of like terrorist, you have a point. I, and arguably, just cosmetics doesn't always work, right? You have a point there. When you talk about Feria, these guys have no excuse. You can the, the business model. For monetizing a card game is literally like Hearthstone is already popularized in the digital format. The game is free. You, you can farm packs or you can pay money for packs. It's worked for Hearthstone and they're the biggest digital card game on earth making over $200 million a year and these guys can't figure that this, this is all bullshit. This comes down to something very simple. Their game just wasn't successful. It yes. didn't have the player base they wanted to have sure. and it has nothing to do with being free to play versus buy to play. In fact, if the game was buy to play, it would be dead Hold, over a year no, ago. No, no. I also think free to play needs a bigger player base to sustain it. So so what works for Hearthstone scale does not necessarily if you copy Hearthstone's business model, but you have one percent of their player base, you might not make you might be broke because there's a finite there's a if you have one percent of Hearthstone's player base as a free to play game and you go buy to play, you have now point zero zero one percent of Hearthstone's player base. And now the people that have bought your game will never find a match because no one's playing your game. In uh, fact, no. it's a death sentence to have a buy-to-play game with a small player base. It's a death sentence. No, you won't find it. You, these games require big p- pools of players to have accurate matchmaking. So I would challenge that Hearthstone has it all figured out. From what I remember uh, in Hearthstone, they constantly change their system. I remember they used to have these things called like these these PVE wings or whatever, and you could buy them with coins. And then they, they still do shit like that. No, but now they got rid of them. Like some of them aren't even there anymore. Those wings, like they 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 do change the. Like Hearthstone, I don't think has decided 
on everything yet. It hasn't figured everything out. There's, there's constant changes in what they're selling you, how they're selling it. My point is, Faria is they have this excuse that like we haven't figured out how to make it. No, here's the reality, right? Here, here's what actually happened to Faria, and, and I'm ninety percent certain. All right, they basically they work. I think they worked on a new game. The guys behind Faria, they, they basically gave up on Faria. They, yeah, yes. basically they gave up on they gave up on Faria. They're already done with it, right? And like we don't want to keep, you know, maybe they figured they might make more money making it buy to play now because they don't, they don't give a shit about the game anymore anyway. That they might be able to get you know people to buy it and they'll make more money that way. But I think it's gonna it's gonna kill their game because if the player base drops. And, and the queue times are longer. A card game, look, in fact, I would say a card game or a MOBA are, are, are dead if there's no player base. Whereas you get an MRPG with like five players online, it makes no difference because most MRPGs can be played today by yourself anyway. You know, I played Revelation Online, I played Terra, I've played Final Fantasy XIV, World of War. All these games can be played solo for hundreds, if not thousands of hours without really interacting with other people. That's not the case in Faria or, or any MOBA. You, you have to interact with people. And the moment your player base dies, and, and by making it Buy to play, I think it's going to lose a good chunk of its players. It's going to be a disaster. I mean, when first, they go buy to play, will you get all the cards for free? First of all, everyone who currently has the game, right, in their Steam library or whatever, will continue to have mm-hmm. it. Okay. So, so if you if you play it now, you will have the buy to play right, for, for free. So they're not going to lose any existing players. Um, and but you are correct that this is basically a move towards maintenance mode in a way. Yeah. Because not only are they going back to buy to play, but they are shutting down the mobile version, which was in beta. So they're abandoning that. They're going to be PC only. Um, and buy to play, and yes, so, but, but yeah. this proves though that maintaining a buy to play game is cheaper than maintaining a free to play game. Uh, but they're not even changing their business model though. They're keeping all the same shit, making it cost more money. What's the difference? You still have to buy card packs. You don't get all the cards for free. No, you don't. But oh, also, Ty, so, so, Ty so, Cheese brings up a good point. Where, by the way, you think this B two, you know, this buy to play is a death sentence? Yeah, artifact. Buy- artifact is also going to be buy to play, and you're not going to get all the cards. Oh. You're gonna, you, you can, um, you know, you buy, you buy the card. Artifact packs. is valid. If you have the player base, you can do it. My point was that if you don't, you. Games like Hearthstone, games like Fair, they need a large player base. And anything you do to shrink your player base is going to hurt a lot. If you already have a, if you, Valve is, you know, a juggernaut of a company, they can they can get away with charging money for it. But I think they're, they're, even they're making a mistake. You know, I think Hearthstone has proven how much money you can make as a free to play card game. Over two hundred million dollars a year, it's one of the highest grossing PC games in the world. I think Artifacts going to print money, and here's why. I, even they have a fraction of Hearthstone's player base. Nah, they're going to print money. Here's why. No Every way. card. First of all, it's going to be the only card game so far on on digital. Or on PC, that's actually a trading card game. So with, the, with artifacts, you're gonna be able to sell individual cards and packs on the Steam Marketplace. Now that means every time you do that, Valve is getting a huge cut because not only are they, are they getting a cut for it being a marketplace uh, transaction, but they they're also the developer and publisher, so they're getting you know twice the cut. So every t- so every card pack they sell, right? You open the card pack, you get like eight cards, you don't want them, you sell them. Now the guy who buys them from you, maybe a month later, he sells it, and then he sells it. So each card is gonna make them so much money. Well, do you, keep do you not think do you not think this is going to roll into the territory of like gambling and like regulation? Because like if you're buying literally a loot box, which is which is a, which is a booster pack, that you can translate the cash yeah. through Steam's marketplace. Well, How is this not gambling? Well, I mean, they, you can already do that. You can sell uh, loot boxes in, in CS:GO. You can sell loot boxes in Dota. In, in the marketplace, it's something new. You, yeah, but the loot boxes themselves sell for nothing. You you pay money. Um, to no, get, some of them, them some of them sell for something. Remember PUBG? There was a the loot boxes were selling for like ten bucks, right? Every time a new loot box comes out in PUBG, but you can't buy the loot boxes with U.S. dollars. Well, you can if you're on the same marketplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, already guess, it's, it's already gambling. <laughs> we're already there, there baby. We're already there. 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 So, Actually, I I recently sold. Uh, I think PUBG released some new crates this last week, and I'm, I am mind blown. If you have not bought PUBG, you actually missed out on like literally free money because I, I very casually play the game now, and every time there's a new loot box, I log in, I buy the loot box, and then I sell the loot box because. I sold loot box for six dollars yesterday. Six dollars for one loot box, which I got for free. You spend like eight hundred in-game currency to get it, which is a couple like like five rounds. It's insane. It, I've made just selling loot boxes. Forget the the trench coat speculation. Right? I made a lot of money on that. Just selling loot boxes, I made over one hundred fifty two hundred dollars playing PUBG. The game cost thirty bucks or twenty twenty or thirty dollars. Thirty. It cost thirty bucks. I made over over two hundred dollars playing just selling loot boxes. It's insane. It's that, that been is- free. It's been such a who's paying six dollars for these free loot boxes? I don't know. I don't, Pretty crazy. I don't know either, to be honest. Yeah. But like, uh, so, yeah. Imagine how much it's making from that. Now, imagine, remember, and also, uh, Blue Hole is getting a cut of that because they. Yeah. Pop, but with Artifact, I think they're going to make a shit ton of money because people. You assume it's going to be popular. You yeah. assume that people. Yeah, people will speculate. I, what makes you think they're going to be able to uh, one up Hearthstone, who has such a you know such a dominant presence in the no, in the card they, game? They probably won't in terms of player base. But here's what I'm saying. Imagine there's a imagine there's like a point oh one chance to get like a, a foil Queen of Pain card. Sure. 
that card's gonna be like a thousand dollars or something. Okay, sure. And, and it's gonna keep changing hands. And every time it changes hands, Val gets a hundred bucks. Sure, Val's making money off it. Yeah. It's gonna be so much money. I still don't think they're gonna come close to uh, even that much money. Hearthstone. It's just, I don't know. We've seen like I'm curious why you think it's gonna take off. We've seen big like um like really big names like Elder Scrolls try to make their own card game, right? And then people play it, right? But it doesn't even it pales. It's got like two three thousand players online at once, which obviously is not a bad is, is a great figure. But it doesn't come nothing. It's like it doesn't even make anywhere near one tenth of Hearthstone's money or player base. Well, what makes you think the artifact will as a buy to play game? Is going to attract such a massive audience that people will play it. Well, what do I, I see? What do I mean by massive? I see if it gets ten percent of Hearthstone's player base, it'll be that's already a non-starter because Elder, Elder, the Elder Scrolls franchise is enormous, and and their 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 trading card game couldn't get one percent of Hearthstone's player base, and uh, it was free to play. I, I what makes you think I would who's going to buy artifact? I would argue I'm not going to buy it. The percent of uh, uh, Valve Steam users, first of all, it's a Steam, it's a Steam, you know, first-party game. Yeah, it's a double franchise. So I think those two alone, the fact that so many people that play uh, that have Steam like Steam games. Uh, they like Dota. I think it's going to get a huge boost just from that. All right. I, I, I kind of pose the question real quick to our audience. I'll, I'll do a quick straw poll. Because like, it, it's weird. Like, If this game had been free, I would be ex- I, I would be uh, excited for it, right? Because it's, it's a Valve game. It's another take at a card game. I would try it, right? But as is, I actually have zero interest. Zero interest. Because I don't want to pay money for, another, for a random card game I, I probably won't like anyway. So let me just drop this rope ball, see how everybody feels about this. You also have to remember that the average age of a Dota player is a bit older, right? Sure. Uh, and older people like card games. They're easy to play. They're casual. You probably play around while you're queuing for Dota. Yeah, yeah and, and, <laughs> and they're playing. And, and they're playing. And they're playing hearts. Why should they learn this new card game? It's going to cost them money to buy. They have money. You know, uh, they're older players. You know, uh, they're they're already invested in Dota. Like so many people I know that play Dota, I've already subscribed to the five dollars a month. Useless Dota Prime, Dota Plus, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I'm not. I, I'm people. Are, we are getting people that are saying they're excited for it, though, which again, I'm, I'm impressed because I think it's games like Hearthstone. They create a big moat around them too, because people that have been playing Hearthstone are so invested in Hearthstone. To play a new card game, you have to unlock all the cards. It's such a grind to get cards. In the-, the only reason I played Shadowverse is because they gave me so many free cards, I can make fun decks right from the get go. I mean, I'm trying to reimagine. The grind to get cards in Hearthstone. It's it's not something I would look forward to. Well, you don't have to grind, you can just pay money. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, you, this game to me this game will cost money and you gotta buy cards. Also, one of the problems I had with uh Shadowverse, I couldn't get into it because the characters meant nothing to me, right? Like the, the, sure. the world meant nothing to me. I, I felt the UI was poorly designed, which I think we shared. Um mm-hmm. so the already the fact that this is already gonna have characters I recognize, the Dota world. It already that alone puts it ahead of Shadow first for me already. Like, just is right. it enough to make you buy to, to you know ten twenty buy whatever it costs to buy up front and then buy packs for money? It depends on the price. It depends on the price. Definitely depends on the price. If it's like five dollars, yeah, sure, whatever. I, I, can spend I, $5. I think like twenty is my is my top. I would give it a try. I'd be excited and would give it a try if it's free to play. But for for some reason, I feel like Hearthstone has anchored me to a point where I I, I cannot justify spending money. Or a, a digital card game where every other digital card game is free. I can go play Gwent. I can go play the Elder Scrolls one. I can play Shadowverse. I can play Hearthstone. These games are already all pretty big as is. These are not like tiny games. I don't know. I just feel. I mean, the only thing cool about this is it's being, I think, designed by uh, Richard Garfield, the guy that made Magic the Gathering. That kind of piques my interest a little bit, but I, I don't want to pay money. Speaking of uh, paying money for something, I want to talk a little bit about Sea of Thieves. I haven't tried this yet, or I know you have, and it's getting a bit of a mixed. Not even mixed. I think everyone's sitting on it right now. It sold 2 million copies, making it Microsoft's best-performing uh, first-party title this generation. Uh, insane. But, insane. 2 million copies. And it, 60 bucks a copy, by the way. And this is this, that 2 million number is not counting the people who signed up for the Game Pass for 10 bucks and tried it. So there's 2 mm-hmm. million $60 copies. And everyone is saying the same thing. There's nothing to do. There's no progression. There's no, there's like, there's no equipment. There's like, there's like four pieces of equipment, and there's, there's like nothing to do. Is this accurate? Uh, I played. I played it uh, two days, right? Because I, I got I got a review copy from them, and I played it for uh, the day it came out and the day after. I have probably like five hours in six hours. I feel like I've gotten the full see if these experience in six hours. That's I, I feel like I've done everything. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of. It's people. one of the most. It's just very very cool concept, but very lacking like what you can do. And it's really bizarre because like the most fun I had in that game was actually like seeing other people and fighting them. But the way the game design is set up is. In a single instance, there's only so many players, right? Mm-hmm. So you only see a player like once every 40 minutes or something crazy. 
they designed it that way because they wanted multiple instances. So seeing a player was like a rare event. But the way it's set up too is if a player doesn't want to fight you, right? And he just runs away from you, you you'll never catch up to him. Hmm. And, and it's not even that rewarding to kill him because they, they all respawn anyway. And like they will lose their loot on the ship, but it's barely, it's, it's, it's almost nothing anyway. It just, it was really bizarre. There's some really fun elements in Sea of Thieves, but it feels like the game was like unfinished. It was a concept for such a long time, and, and they, they made something, and Microsoft's like, just just release what you got. Let's make some money off it. It, it feels like a cash. They, they, they could have done so much more with it. Yeah. My I, personal thoughts. I, I was not optimistic on this game because it's made by Rare. Now, Rare mm-hmm. made some of the best games of my childhood, but the last game they made was this bullshit Banjo Kazooie. Was it Banjo Kazooie? The racing game, one. right? Race- yeah, it was like yeah, it was like this Minecrafty racing bullshit game. I don't know what it was uh, called. If they made a real Banjo Kazooie game, I'd be hype. I can't. Oh yeah, this one, this one, right? Now, what? What the? Who? Who takes Banjo Kazooie, right, and turns mm-hmm. it into a stupid ass racing game? Great question. Uh, rare. Yeah. So this is rare. Is a uh, was dead for like the past at least ten years, I'd say. So I'm not. Surprised. I think uh, Finini said it's called Sea of Thieves because they take your money. I think it's pretty aptly said. I don't know. I, like, I don't know why they turned a, a beautiful look, look, adventure platforming game into this garbage. Look at hot this, garbage. Look at the stream for a second. Like, like this. This is this supposed to be, uh, you know, Banjo Kazooie. These two, they look nothing mm-hmm. like they did in the N64 game. It's bizarre, and they they just changed the genre completely. Like it was such a. Nostalgically, like, it was such a good game. Actually, I mean, people, uh, I don't know, they did they, they, real block of business. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, when I heard Rare was making Sea of Thieves, I kind of knew it was gonna be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, I guess people do. I mean, I mean, the people that worked on this game probably had nothing to do with the original Banjo Kazooie. But then again, people also lose their touch over the years. You know, like Chris Roberts, the guy that made uh, Star Citizen, game we kind of poke fun at quite a bit. But um, you know, like I've said the story before, but I remember Shirley told me one of my friends told me that. When when Star Citizen was first announced, like holy shit, it's Chris Roberts. He made Wing, you know, Wing Commander. And, like that was one of our favorite games. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But like, I don't get it. like why should I be excited for a game he's making like 20 years later? He hasn't done anything since like in the gaming space really. So it's hard to get excited for for these legendary names after all this time. And actually, it kind of goes in with the uh, next story. I'm not sure if you heard this all the time, but the co-creator of Counter Strike is joining Pearl Abyss to work on a new game. Wow. And Counter Strike is a legendary game. Counter Strike. Is arguably the most recognizable shooter in the world, and uh, the one of the co-creators on uh, Min Guzman Le, Le or Lee, I don't know how to pronounce that. He's working at Pearl Abyss now. This came out just today, and you know he he is one of the most well-known game designers. But he made a previous game in between his new stint at Pearl Abyss and Counter Strike. It was called Tactical Intervention. It was this garbage, this hot garbage of a game that like its biggest biggest selling point was it was made by the co-creator of Counter Strike, and they plastered that everywhere. But the game shut down, I think, last year or the year before that. I mean, it just it was a garbage game. And, you know, he was he made it. He was still he made a great game back with Counter-Strike. But that magic isn't transferred over. It's like Banjo-Kazooie games are going to suck. Now, do you think this means Pearl Abyss will use their engine to make a FPS? Like a, like another free-to-play Korean lobby shooter? Battle, no, Battle Royale is coming. I'm calling oh. Pearl Abyss is jelly as fuck of all the money that their neighbors at Blue Hole are making down Gangnam Street. And they're going to get in on that, all right? <laughs> That's true. They are probably very close to each other in Korea. Yeah, I, I bet you. It's, my guess it's going to be an FPS battle royale game with something different about. It. Maybe they're going to Pearl Abyss. They got the whole you know persistent world spiel with Black Desert Online. They they might use the same some kind of the same engine to fit a lot of players in the screen at once. It might be more than hundred players. They might go for like the that there was other game being developed recently, the three hundred plus player battle royale games. They might go for a big scale game like that. I mean, the only way battle royale FPS is going to work again, I think, is if you shove a lot more people in, make it different. I think Pearl Abyss has the technology. Like, I think if they make a game like PUBG, uh, it will be fluid. It would work. It won't lag as much. Uh, mm-hmm. I think. I think they're Black Desert not lag as much. Did you not, remember last week? Their their servers are shit. And That's not about the lag. developer's fault. That is the fault always, of the publisher who picked a shitty ass company to host the game. It's not just they could still optimize the. There's always room for optimization. All right, they could they could make it take less bandwidth. Or something. I don't know. It's obviously there's some blame all around still. We'll see, but I, I still think Pearl Abyss I think has great technology. Like they have a, they made their own in-house engine, and I think we covered it. They made it for like a million bucks or something. Something really cheap, yeah. Yeah. So these guys are these guys are efficient, uh, and uh, I I have high hopes for whatever they're working on. 
You know what else is coming out that no one's talking about, guys? You can hear on the MOs.com podcast first. Ooh, what do we got? Here's a game I guarantee no one's here heard about. This is a non-combat art MMO. Art MMO. A-R-T, art. That's how you spell it. It's uh, The game is called Occupy White Walls. Occupy Wall Street? Occupy Wall Street. The game is called Occupy Wall Street. But I, I got a... I got an email about this game earlier earlier today, so I was pretty, I was pretty. It was, it's, it's it's something different. I've never quite seen anything like this. Uh, what do you initial initial thoughts? Art. Uh is this supposed to, is this like VR or is this just like a PC game? Let me let me uh, let me tell you the key features over here. It's a PC sandbox building AI driven MMO. I'm not sure what they mean by AI driven, where players play with art. Developed by the people who really love architecture and abstract characters. Boom. I, look, if this was VR, it'd be pretty cool. Like if it was VR chat, but with but you're in like a museum, that'd be pretty cool. It's it's non combat and it's right. The game is playable right now as a single player title, but they want to make an they they want to make an MMO. Like it's that's their dream to make some kind of MMO. It's actually made by the, one of the moderators over at RMORPG, Proto Bear. So weird that you know somebody. I mean, it's weird that you know you can be a moderator on the saltiest subreddit known to man about MMORPG that come out with, you know, this is a solution to our problem. Non-combat, AI-driven, sandbox, art MMO. You know, um, so, it kind of reminds me of a of a Steam game I played. What was it called? Let me find a name. It was um, a, a platformer. You, you have this gun. You pick up cubes. It's all white. It kind of looks like this. I can't think of it now. Fudge. I don't know. Someone in chat, help me out. Artsy fartsy game. You pick up these cubes with your gun. You shoot cubes. Like blue cubes, yellow cubes, and red cubes, I believe. I think it's... It, I don't know. But this game is going to be a tough sell, I think, because you can do a lot Not of these like, sandbox stuff in games like uh, Minecraft and Roblox already that they have a non-combat like version. It just seems really bizarre. But clearly this guy is doing what he loves, so it's, it's interesting, and I want to give a shout-out because it kind of falls under discussion that we don't really see too many new things. So this is at least something new. Even though it's not something that really excites me, you know, this non-combat anti-chamber. Art MMO. Anti-chamber. If you guys want an artsy fartsy game, okay, play this. Mm-hmm. It's on. It's, it's, you can probably get it like humble bundle or whatever, or humble store, cheap right now. But it's really, it's really well done. Uh, it's kind of like a mind trip. Get, you, mm-hmm. get, get your art on, you know. Get your art on, boys. Art gaming. I feel like people in those people can make their own like creations, their own like uh, art in those games, and like their own like museums and put their own art. On the, yeah, it's it's going to devolve to porn, guaranteed, boys. If you have a game like that, it's it's going to go to porn, hundred percent. All roads lead to porn. Have you have you played Antichamber or more? I have not. You should play Antichamber. Good game. Perhaps. I want to see if you can beat it. It's like some like mindfuck puzzles, like with perspective. Mm-hmm. On the horizon, we have uh, Bless. Anybody still excited for that? Should be launching into early access next month. That's probably going to be one of the biggest releases of the year. Uh, I'm marginally excited. I'm actually more excited for the other one, Air, right now. Yeah? Sent Infinite Realms. We're not sure when that one's going to come out. That would probably It's going to be well after this, because this, this is coming out in May. Is this, is this, I'm still, is, I still is, feel weird about the buy-to-play, but I'll probably end up buying Is Bless going to knock you off your Final Fantasy binge? No. I mean, I'm going to play it, you know. It's going to be... The thing about MMORPGs and, and games in general, I mean, it applies more to MMORPGs. It's just very hard to get someone to switch from a game they already play, right? Because you get invested in a game so much that it just becomes very difficult to switch. Right. Actually, it reminds me of another... Um, a bit of a story here. I, I actually would love to see you, Altai, play Final Fantasy XI because I know two weeks ago we had Altai in the post-game, I believe, struggle to... to Get Final Fantasy XI working. Everybody remembers that 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 post game stream, and uh, one of my buddies, Cash Shield, uh, who bought me the game, uh, I played Final Fantasy XI with him. Like I actually logged the game and played for a few hours, and it's really something else. It's just a lot of these older games are very unapproachable, and I actually found the PC interface to play Final Fantasy XI out of this world difficult. It was ins- it was mind blowing how unintuitive and poorly designed the UI was. In it. It's words cannot describe. If you have Final Fantasy XI or you see the game on sale and you want to see like how to not design a PC interface, give it a try. 
I mean, this is one Fortunately, reason... it does it backwards compatible with, with controller. You, you play the Xbox controller, and then it, it works okay. But with a control with a mouse and keyboard, unplayable. I don't get why somebody would put themselves through playing an MMORPG on console. Like, I don't get why you would do that to yourself. Like, I, I, I think I would rather go to the dentist and just get drills, drill teeth. Perhaps when Final Fantasy XI came out, where PCs were maybe much more expensive, or it was a bigger hassle to play Final Fantasy XI on the PC, like, the game just makes more sense. Because back then, too, like, gamepads... It might not have like native gamepad support or anything on the PC. You had to play with the mouse and keyboard. The way you can do Xbox controllers today, like, I don't know. Like, if you didn't have a P- PC, were more expensive back then too. So maybe that was the reason. I don't know. But a modern no, no, no. MRPG, yeah, we, play, we were playing MRPGs the day Final Fantasy XI came out. Okay, so they worked. Actually, it was probably easier back then because system requirements were lower. But I think pretty much any computer could have run like Ultima Online, EverQuest. Like I don't think I don't think computer was a problem. I don't, I don't think graphics were as um, Actually, as they are now, Alta, I would actually I would love to see you play a little bit of Final Fantasy XI in today's. You already have the game patched, right? You already, you already, you already everything was good. Uh, let me check. Do you you got to log in though? I don't want to log in. Yeah, the lo- well, well, you know, you don't want to log in. Like, I mean, you got to log know in. Your information you, is my is my trial out or whatever? I don't think so. No, you last last a month. You're good. It hasn't been a month. Okay. I don't think so. I don't remember I, my I, logins I, at all. By yeah. the way, I want to see you try to get like your objective will be get get like level two. That's it. Level up once. Okay, I will. And try... he plays a black mage, the same class I play. Okay, in the post game, we're almost done yes. anyway. I will yeah, try to log in, right? And if I we'll see if it works. If if it doesn't work, we can't do it. But we'll yeah. see if it works. If I can log in, I'll try to move around for you. Okay. Uh, Asephron, that that that's my my biggest concern with Bless Online. Like, I'm not sold on the optimization if they can deliver. Right. That that's the biggest concern. It's I've never seen a game change like so drastically where they can actually fix all those problems. Like everyone says, like, oh. The game's an early access, guys. You know, it'll be completely everything will be fixed in, in the release. No, it almost feels like when a game is like in closed beta, early access, early alpha, that's a game you get at release. It almost always feels that way. Yes, there's more like stuff in the game, but the engine is really optimized. It, it, if they can fix optimization, that's gonna be the biggest uh, accomplishment for them. But I'm not buying it till I'm sold. Like, I have to. I'm not gonna get hyped till I know that that part is fixed. And that's the biggest part of of Blast that made it unplayable was how shit the optimization. I don't have much hope for the tech behind Blast because remember it's an Unreal Three Engine game, and that thing is so dated now. Like, I mean, Blast started development God knows when. Uh, we have a, we have it listed on our most expensive MRPG list, but it's an old game now. Blast, don't forget, guys. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Anything else? Anything else spicy? No, I'm actually really, really excited to see you try playing Final Fantasy Eleven. Like, it's it's really. I got the I'm 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 level like uh 17 in Final Fantasy 11 right what? now, all right? I I played some Final Fantasy 11 and I had I had a good time because my buddy Chaos was showing me around. It's it's near impossible to play that game without somebody telling you like okay how to do what and what to do. So anyway, uh, call for the podcast. I want to watch you play Final Fantasy 11 a bit, and it's going to be exciting. All right, thanks hopefully for watching, you guys. know hopefully you have the patch. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, take thanks care, for watching, guys. guys. Yep.